Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just School With It, a podcast where we talk about how society influences our favorite, and sometimes least favorite, horror movies. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kate. And today we're talking about Hell House LLC! <laughs> Yay! It sounds like we're really excited about this movie for literally no reason if there's no context. <laughs> to be clear, this is the movie that we watched when we started our chat. Yeah. Which is what started the podcast, so... Yep. <laughs> So it seems like a very random new movie to be very excited about, mm-hmm. but we're just excited because it started it all. <laughs> and to celebrate that, oh, no. uh, I did bring some screenshots of the early days of the chat. This is before <laughs> we made nicknames for ourselves, oh, like yeah. the Bee Lady that was Candyman, oh, and then yeah. The Conjuring 2 was about... Let me kiss that hot psychic or something, right? Mm, yeah, and then Farmiga is Mommy. Anyway, so oh, the early days. I don't, I don't remember these, so this is a surprise for me too. See, I proposed a table read, but Nikki wanted it all in my intuition. I wanted, a, I wanted a surprise. Fun. Okay, so Kate, what malfunctioned isn't clear. That's reassuring. Nikki, also, yeah, wow, they really phoned it in while boarding up the windows. Kate, of course you did, white dude. It's always a gas leak. <laughs> Nikki, I demand the truth. <laughs> I did. I want it. Kate, bloody handprints though. Here are my tapes for you. <laughs> Nikki, here are the tapes I've never watched. I'm sure they're awful. Have fun. <laughs> Kate, love me some abandoned cars. Nikki, honestly, a great sign. <clears throat> Miso is screaming, and I was like, please, Miso, I can't hear about the murders. Kate, Miso, my murder show is on, please. Nikki, my stories are on. <laughs> I was just about to say, Miso, my stories. I'm glad my sense of humor is carrying over. <laughs> Nikki, I hope this guy dies first. Kate, same. <laughs> Agreed, I still do. <laughs> Nikki, I take back what I said. At least she isn't dating this guy. The real horror in this story was the man. I'll take demons, but this man has to go. <laughs> Kate, end movie. The horror was the man all along. And uh, I still think he was, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's still the man. Yep. Okay, those were really funny. I can't believe that I tried to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we're editing our episode and i like turns i'm like yeah yeah and then me in the recording goes yeah yeah <laughs> it's oh god uh well at least there's consistency at, at least, least i'm as, consistent at least i'm consistent as jennifer says in jennifer's body at least i'm consistent and as we say when we have trouble editing at least we're consistent, at least we're consistent. <laughs> okay that means it's time for for facts mm-hmm um, which was really hard to do because this movie did not have a lot. No. Um, here's a fun little fact for everybody. You know what I do when I look up these facts is I Google the movie and I click the first result. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the second if I'm feeling oh, a God. little fun. So this one just didn't have anything. And here's what I did. I even Googled the names of like the people separately to be like, fine, I'll do a real deep dive. And I still didn't find anything. So there really wasn't a lot, but I'm going to give you what I got. <clears throat> it was written and directed by Stephen Cognetti. 
Mm-hmm. Cognetti? Sure. Again, with the names, I'm really bad at it. I'm yeah. really sorry. Um, apparently produced by FBI Films, which is either his film company or, like, a film company that picked it up after, like, he wrote the script and everything. Not sure. Um, it was made in 2016. There are two sequels. So we've actually seen Hell House LLC 2, mm-hmm. which I honestly don't remember. It was if fine. We, yeah, like, it was fine. It was, it's whatever. There is a third mm-hmm. called Hell House LLC three Lake of Fire, which mm-hmm. burn on Lake of Fire, <laughs> which like it's such a dramatic name compared yeah. to the other ones because Hell House two is just the Abaddon Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also I don't know if they were written, but they were definitely directed by the same guy mm-hmm. Stephen uh, Cognetti. So facts about that, you know, oh, can't wait. Uh, cinematography was Brian C Harnick again. I couldn't find anything specifically. I couldn't find anything else that Stephen did either. Besides the sequels. This was his first movie. Okay. And I think he did like maybe short films before that. Yes, this was his first feature. Okay, that's what I thought. And I couldn't really find much on the shorts. So I was like, yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. first movie. Um, This one was kind of a fun fact. So they originally were trying to find an abandoned house. Mm -hmm. Because that was the whole story. They were like, we'll do an abandoned house, blah, blah, blah. They couldn't find one that they liked. So they just went and like looked up actual haunted attractions. Mm -hmm. And then found one. Um, and it's called Haunting at the Waldorf Hotel, yes. which if it's still a thing, we gotta go. Yes, we do have okay. to go. I'm pretty sure it's still open, but I'm not positive. Yeah. COVID. I meant to look it up, but yeah. I wasn't sure. And um, so it was run by someone named Angie Moyer, and she ended up just being the set designer. Yep, she was great. <laughs> and she kept the attraction the same as they left it. Really? Yeah, so like if people wanted to go see the Waldorf whatever yeah, yeah. after filming because of filming, she mm-hmm. kept props and stuff. That's really yeah. cool. I wondered, okay, so yeah, and that's all I could find, so, and it's in Layton, Pennsylvania. Listen, I was hoping that you would say it so I didn't have to, because I was like, this is probably Lee Heighton, and I was like, it's definitely not. <laughs> Layton, I think. <laughs> I was pr- almost positive I was wrong, because I have cousins that are from Massachusetts, and yeah. they love to tell us how wrong we try to pronounce things. Like, oh, oh yeah. Worcester? Yeah, Worcester. <sighs> I get so mad about it, because it's like Worcester, yeah. and they're like, eh, yeah. it's Worcester. I'm like, Worcester. What? <laughs> come again when i when i was at a working at a summer camp in maine i was very much like how do you say that what is that what's happening like <laughs> uh and also a lot of the people who worked at the camp were from england and they did not appreciate the way that i pronounced things and i'm really sorry if anybody listens i apologize i got real salty when you're wrapping things in aluminum like a heathen <laughs> aluminium <laughs> i get it it's <laughs> your fancy cool than cool. <laughs> whatever you I think like you better d- than me I do have to say, though, I they do are. love my cousins. That was a friendly jab at them. They I also want to say I, I love my friends who are uh, from England. You guys are fine. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love the way you say, say aluminum. We accidentally roast someone immediately apologize. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, so that's all. Oh, fuck. I know what time <laughs> is. Damn it. Every time I get so confident that it's Nerd Corner. This one's going to be rough. <sighs> okay, 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 okay. So... We got some friends, okay, and they're going to start a haunted house. Uh, and they decide, I think they already bought it. Like, they were just going to, like, start it and everything. They had already bought the property, blah, blah, blah. So they're driving to the place. Everything's fine. They're getting it ready. I lost track of how many people there were because they all kind of look the same. Kate is giving me the five. She's doing the five. So apparently there are five people. That was a high five. I, I wanted to tell you you're a you great absolute job. absolute liar. Um, <laughs> There's five people. I don't know how well they all know each other, but they know each other somewhat well, at least. Um, Two of them are dating Sarah. I know her name. 
I don't know the other guy's name. Sorry, never will. Alex. Okay, Alex. Um, and so they're dating and, you know, blah, blah, and uh, basically they're setting up the haunted house and it's just them basically showing that. Like they're trying to like document it so they can turn it into probably like a documentary on how the place was made. Uh, and then shit starts to go down. Things aren't going so well. Props keep like moving. Uh, I cannot wait to talk mm. about the scares in this movie. I'm very excited. So good. Um, yeah. And then basically that's, they have, they open it even though shit goes wrong. Like they keep having these weird things happen, but they still open the haunted attraction and uh, shit goes very bad on opening night. Uh-huh. And the movie is shot from the perspective of someone making a documentary using their footage. So it's sort of like a documentary within one in a way, which we'll talk about that. I have thoughts. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I actually, you know, what? I think I kind of nailed it on that one. Besides yeah. having no names. No, that was great. I think I've done okay. It was beautiful. Thank you. You have a real one? Eh. <laughs> I have another one. Oh, okay. Five years after an unexplained malfunction causes the death of 15 tour goers and staff on the opening night of a Halloween haunted house tour, a documentary crew travels back to the scene of the tragedy to find out what really happened. Yeah, all right. That was short and sweet and good. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm never going to be happy with what I've done. I liked yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I didn't realize that it was 15 years. 15? Is that what you said? Five. Where did I get 15? 15 tour goers 15, and staff. Uh, 15 tour goers. I thought you said 15 years. And I yep. was like, wow. They, they, they looked not... They look so good. They look so good. Sarah's barely aged. That's why I was like, really? Because like Sarah shows up and like they're really not surprised by how young she looks. Mm -mm. Five years makes more sense. Fine. Fine. Um, Okay. And like I say every single time, I don't know what's going to happen in Nerd Corner. And I'm so excited because you kept telling me you had like four different options. Mm -hmm. And I I obviously don't know what you chose. Okay. So I had a lot of ideas for Nerd Corner this week. Yes. I thought about discussing subtle fear or Mm -hmm. the social critiques embedded in haunted house movies. Mm -hmm. But I felt like those could be more relevant in future Nerd Corners. So I'm saving them. So for that reason, (laughs) I opted to explore the impacts of diegetic elements in found footage style horror. And don't worry, I'm going to define all that shit. Thank you. You said that word and I went, fuck, uh (laughs) uh-oh. No, it was something that I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what diegetic means. But it was one of those, let's give it a Google. And then I went down so many rabbit holes. So the first thing I discovered in research, found footage is not a subgenre. It's a filming technique. So some people probably knew that, but it was a helpful reframe for me. And actually, like as I researched it further, it became difficult to tell whether it's actually a disagreement within the field or a common misconception that people writing articles about keep calling say, it a subgenre. Yeah, because like it, it, to all the people I've talked to who like watch these movies and know mm-hmm. movies, they always, for the most part, call it its own genre. Yeah. It's even a, I would say on some like streaming platforms, mm-hmm. there's like genres that are like, found footage like (laughs) yeah the argument among some of the articles and theses that i read Mm -hmm. (laughs) were basically saying like um subgenre is classifying it by theme but found footage is a style so found footage can also be for comedy Mm -hmm. uh it can also be for drama it doesn't have to be for horror right and across found footage style movies there are a lot of different themes i guess that's true because this one is considered paranormal because it won awards for, like, best paranormal film. Mm-hmm. So it's considered paranormal. But there are other movies that do found footage, and it's, like, a break-in. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. 
So that may not be like, as I said, it may just be a disagreement within the field. I couldn't tell if it was like this awakening where people are realizing they've right. been saying it wrong or if it's actually just like we don't agree <laughs> all the academics are like no 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 you're being facetious not facetious <laughs> like you're being ridiculous I didn't know if it was like one mm-hmm. of those things so but I found the distinction compelling so I'm running with it oh yeah but going back to my thesis statement <laughs> yes so diegetic what does that mean It comes from the Greek word diegesis, which means narrative or narration. And in the context of a film, it's just... Okay, so in the context of a film, it's just about what is set up in the fictional world Mm -hmm. as part of the narrative. And it's usually a classification for sounds, but we'll talk about it in terms of camera. So diegetic sound exists within the narrative world and is understood to have occurred within that reality and could be heard by the characters. Non-diegetic sound is anything understood to be outside of that world. There's also transdiegetic sound, oh which connects the two within the film. Huh. I'm going to give examples. Okay. I was like, my eyes, they're crossing. Yeah, no, I'm getting confused. I live and die by examples. <laughs> so a diegetic sound in horror could be character dialogue. It mm. could be screams. It could be a door creaking, mm-hmm. a monster growl. A non-diegetic sound would be voiceover narration mm-hmm. or sound effects that aren't heard by the characters, right. like a record scratch in comedy. Yeah. Now you may be asking, what about music? Music can be any of the three. That's true, actually. Mm-hmm. <gasps> so my mind, Kate. I got so excited about this. So <laughs> diegetic music is if the character is like whistling a tune, listening mm-hmm. to music in headphones, right. or dancing to a song at a party. Yeah. Non-diegetic music is usually the score. The characters do not hear the swell of violins as the audience does. <laughs> Lucky us. Transdiegetic sound is often used as a transition. Mm-hmm. Common example, the song in the opening credits begins as non-diegetic as it's rolling through the studio info, info or whatever. And then it becomes diegetic when the main character is like bopping along to this very song. I was just about to, okay, I was just about to use an example because I, it's all in here. Mm-hmm. I'm a smart, smart yep. cookie cake. It can also function in the other direction. So someone starts humming a song and then it turns into the orchestral version mm-hmm. as the scene changes. Right. It's often used as part of like a scene change or transition. Right. So as horror enthusiasts, we know that sound design is critical and exciting. The leveraging so of music, of silence, of sound effects, it all goes into creating that dread, building anxiety, sustaining and breaking tension. And I think it's super interesting to explore that when it comes to found footage style films. Right. Because you want the power of sound without putting too much pressure on our willing suspension of disbelief. It's like, how much sound can I create and add before people stop believing yeah, or people yeah, yeah. check out? Especially in found footage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like- so we're more likely to believe the Blair Witch practice project is real when there's not sudden non-diegetic choral singing in the background. Right. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine that movie with just like a fucking choir? They break into Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> fucking terrifying. Yep. Okay. Terrifying for different reasons. <sighs> if there was non-diegetic sound in Hell House LLC, I didn't notice it. And I think that kind of speaks to it. Uh, yeah, I actually tried. I did look. I didn't know what this meant, but mm-hmm. I did look for it. Like I, when I was doing my notes, I was like, "Was there music?" I could not remember. Mm-mm. Not uh, that I noticed. And some found right. footage style movies do use it, but yeah. really subtly. Like Wreck, which I hope that we cover. Oh, yeah. uh, it does have some really understated musical scoring, like this mm-hmm. um, thrumming yeah. or something beneath some of the segments. I I believe the visit. Do you know that movie? That one was brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like M. Night Shyamalan, it's the movie where they visit their grandparents. And it's also technically like found footage in a way because it's obviously with the kid's camera. Um, I think that one has music. So Mm -hmm. that would, yeah, like so it's subtle, Mm -hmm. but it's still obvious music that they're not listening to. So yeah, okay, I get it. And that's another one, a different genre because that is not paranormal. (laughs) 
It's a good movie. I hope you cover that one, to be honest. (laughs) In terms of diegetic sounds in Hell House, we get that infamous piano solo that comes Mm -hmm. back from Scares. So in the beginning, it's Paul being Paul. He's like pretending to play a duet with a mannequin and plays like a simple, unsettling little tune. And then there's that like dissonant chord or intentional error. Mm -hmm. And he like yells at the mannequin for messing up. Right. Whatever. Silly moment. But then later, after Paul disappeared and they wake up in the middle of the night, they hear that piano playing that same song, complete with the fumbled chord at the end. Ugh. Paul is in the basement at the time, not at the piano. Oh. And they actually don't even know that he's in the house. They're running to right. the house yelling, Paul, like, you're fucking with us. Why are you doing this? They get to the piano. No one's there. Oh. And Mac, like, checks behind the piano. It's not plugged into anything. Like, it's not. It's not one of the ones that can, like, play by itself kind of thing. It's not a player piano. It's not a recording. And it freaks them the fuck out. Hell yeah. It comes back again at the end of the movie. And to me, that moment could be read as a transition to non-diegetic, but I think it can also be read as that sound is occurring in the house, but there isn't a living creature left to hear it. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Because like when I heard the, heard it, I was like, that's someone playing it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about horror. I'm so excited. Oh my God, I'm so excited. There's so much to talk about here. <sighs> I'm so excited. So that's diegetic sound, mm-hmm. but there's more to movies, like the filming part. Yeah! So in found footage, we have a diegetic camera. Mm -hmm. The perspective is from the camera, not any of the characters, villains, or omniscient observers. It's not like from above. It's not from like a person's eyes. It's the camera is the perspective that you're taking. Right, right, right. So like when they drop their arm to the side, the camera goes with it. So in some horror movies, we have a subjective camera where the view is understood to be from the eyes of the characters. There is no camera in the fictional world assumed. Right. This type of shot can also be called point of view or first person camera. A lot of people just call it POV. Do you want a fun POV story? Always. Uh, I was in a short film once with uh, some friends. It was just for like a little competition or something we were doing. And they needed a POV shot from my character. And we didn't have like a camera that we could really use. So we had to take my phone, my giant fucking iPhone, and we took a sweatband and just put it on my head. (laughs) And then just put the phone on my head. And we had to do it like 40 times and I had the scene was I had to get out of a car and walk all the way across the street to the apartment long shot long shot and the phone just kept slowly sliding down my face (laughs) until it was just like the POV was just lower and lower and lower until I was and I had to knock on the door too and when I knocked they were like can you hold the camera so it doesn't shake so I was like knock 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 just holding my forehead (laughs) It was, I, I don't remember how we, I think we ended up having to use a lot of fucking tape or something. Oh my God. It was uncomfortable as hell. Oh no. And then we had to do shots after that. So it just had like tape marks and a phone and it was, and it was tight on my head. So like it hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's my fun POV shot. Sometimes they are not fun to get and I'm sure there was an easier way, but we had, it was a 48 hour film thing. So we had to shoot it, uh, edit it, do everything in 48 hours. Wowza. So they were like, you gotta get that shot. And I was like okay do what you have to yeah so i was just like okay strap it to my head we're fine oh my god so yeah it's my fun to me arm i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) oh so uh i i've actually never seen it seen the film so i wonder how it turned out i can't watch myself i've been in three short films and all three i've never seen (laughs) even though i worked at the movie theater where they played it i had to hear myself on the screen and i was like i will never fucking watch that oh my god i'm gonna hunt those down and watch them for you because i'm sure you were inspiration technically i'm on imdb (laughs) (laughs) and gasped at the same time and i thought she was gonna die 
that was an unpleasant experience. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I I was in. I don't know if they listen to this, but my friends made a short film for the same forty eight hour film festival, so I've done it twice. And there was um, they give you rules you have to do. One of the rules being you have to have a character with this name, and they have to say this line. I was that mm. character. So my line was, I don't remember. Oh, my name was, my name, my line was like, I'm Alexis. Like I just say it really annoying. A little bit of Alexis. I'm a little bit Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my name was Alexis. I don't remember my last name, but I had to say, I'm Alexis. I'm a mechanic or something. And my character was basically just a drunk party girl. And it was just like a party. And I was in the kitchen and no one wanted to be around me. But I kept shouting, my name's Alexis. I'm a mechanic. Like, <laughs> So if you go to IMDb and search my name, uh, it pops up with Alexis. I love it. <laughs> my credit. That's incredible. That was not the POV one. So sorry. No, not going to watch it then. No, it's I'm not, not worth it. it. Incredible. I love this. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my story. Okay. Continue. Continue. <laughs> so there are a lot of ways to use it outside of uh, taping an iPhone mm-hmm. to your forehead. <laughs> in Halloween, we have like the killer point of view. In the opening scene, like killers, mm-hmm. it's done well, but also killer, it's from the killer's perspective. Right. Uh, in the opening scene where you're watching him murder his sister, and at one point you're watching it through the eyes of his mask. Ooh. Like he puts on like a clown yeah, mask, yeah, I think, yeah. and you see like the edges of the mask around. Right, right, yeah. right. So that's a POV. Spooky. Yes. And then in American Werewolf in London, I'm pretty sure there's like in the subway scene, you briefly yes. do see through the eyes of right. the wolf. And often this camera perspective is used in conjunction with a shot of the character's face mm-hmm. looking at something and then followed by a POV shot of what they're looking at. Right. <clears throat> so like me staring moodily into the distance and then you scan and it's me looking at a dog I can't pet, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, classic. I was like, Kate, you have to think of an example on the fly. This is not your thing. <laughs> Quick, <I panicked>. improv. <laughs> I panicked. I can't improv on the spot. You can't make me. I can only improv with planning. <laughs> and that's just acting, folks. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <clears throat> overall, many people assert that first-person camera or subjective camera is supposed to be used for identification. Mm-hmm. Like, So when I say identification, I mean, like, I... And experiencing the emotions with this character right. and I can take on those emotions. Yeah. Or like I can see myself in this character. Mm-hmm. So Mary Beth McAndrews, which I think that's just a good old name, you know? Mary Beth McAndrews? Uh-huh. That rolls off the tongue so yeah. nice though. That's good. It is a good name. I love alliteration. Samesies. Ugh. Good so stuff. she says, or they say, I don't want to assume gender based on someone's name. So uh, McAndrews says in a film school rejects article, <laughs> this is a direct quote. The technique is not merely informative. It is also a way to elicit an emotional reaction from the viewer, whether it be fear and dread or sorrow and frustration. These shots help forge a connection between the audience and the characters as we see through their eyes. Mm -hmm. The article goes on to describe four different ways POV cameras used, especially in horror. Then it gets into the identification part more. So here's another direct quote from McAndrews. The POV shot is an integral part of the horror genre as it places the audience closer to objects of fear, whether they are meant to be seen through the eyes of the killer or the victim. Having the viewer see through the eyes of the killer creates a palpable tension, as the viewer must confront their role in such an act. On the other hand, having the viewer identify with the victim, particularly through the found footage subgenre, is it a subgenre, creates a lack of distance between the viewer and subject. Therefore, the viewer feels as if they are more directly confronting the monster. End quote. I really appreciate McAndrew's exploration of connection and identification, though mm-hmm. I would disagree when they say that the Blair Witch Project and other found footage style films are entirely from the subjective perspective. Because as we talked about, or maybe as I'm about to talk about, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> 
So during my research, I found a thesis. I mm-hmm. showed Nikki before we started recording. Oh my God, you guys. There was so many pages. It's a, it's a thesis to get a doctorate. So it was really cool. It's over 200 pages. <laughs> 138 to be exact. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I didn't finish it. Like I did not read all of it. I just Still. read the parts that I felt were relevant to me. Then I showed this. Kate my notes and it was a good laugh. We had a good it was laugh. beautiful. She's looking at them right now. I watched her give them the side eye. <laughs> it's like my eyes flicked it's, down to those. <laughs> it's half a page, guys. <laughs> it's all off the dome. I've said it before it's and great. I'll say it again. It's great. Nikki at one point said, maybe I should take more notes. And I said, no, <laughs> don't change a thing. I can't change the energy I bring, which is chaos. I love That's it. That's all it is. So I found a thesis by mm-hmm. Peter Turner called An Investigation of Priming Self-Consciousness and Allegiance in the Diegetic Camera Horror Film. And it have, oof, it's a long thesis, as previously mentioned. Right. And it actually goes mostly into, like, themes of, quote-unquote, traditional psychology. So, like, right. my BA is in psych. Mm-hmm. I have another degree in another thing. But, like, my original <laughs> degree was in psych. And so I have qualms with the way that we talk about psychology because right. it's like, well, these white men interviewed other Ugh. white men and said that humans do this. And I just think it's, yeah, a lot Wait, of stuff. Nothing. This is not the time for my qualms with psychology. Not yet. <laughs> qualms are coming, though. But the uh, thesis overall was more talking about, like, actual concepts within the field of mainstream psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the point that I thought was most relevant to this. So this is a direct quote from Peter Turner. Diegetic camera films use POV shots continuously. If we accept that the camera itself as a prop in the diegesis provides a point of view, then every shot is a POV shot. If we only accept that a sentient, living, breathing entity can have a point of view, then only whenever a character is holding the camera can the shot be called a POV shot. However, there are different degrees of subjectivity to these characters' POV shots, and I argue that some of these shots, when the character holds the camera, are only actually showing the point of view of the camera rather than the point of view of the character. Right. So basically, there are a lot of different Mm -hmm. levels of analysis or like opinions Mm -hmm. when you talk about diegetic camera versus found footage as like some folks like academically are making a distinction between like, I'm no longer going to say found footage. I'm going to say diegetic camera film instead. Yeah. Or folks are saying, okay, well, I'm going to say POV equals found footage. But other people are saying, well, no, you have to distinguish between diegetic and subjective. Mm hmm. And, like, I fall into the latter most category, but also if someone says it, I'm not going to fucking correct them. (laughs) (laughs) You say what you want. Yeah. (laughs) So regardless of that whole, like, not disagreement, but differing theories Mm -hmm. and opinions and stuff, I do find the theory of distance compelling. Mm -hmm. And all of this, talking about diegesis, is the background to what I really wanted to get to and what I questioned throughout the movie. (laughs) So my list of questions, who do you identify with, how, and why? Because the cameraman is Paul, and he sucks. This True. is not a controversial statement. <laughs> no. He is not set up to be liked. He objectifies every woman we'll he comes there. across. And it's just generally a self-centered dick. Right. But he's the one behind the camera. Mm-hmm. He's the one that we are set up to empathize with when shit starts hitting the fan and no one believes him. He's saying, like, dude, look at this wild footage. And they're like, wow, what a great prank. <laughs> and we identify with his frustration and his fear. And then that leads into an even larger question. Are we able to identify with him because he represents what America posits as neutral? middle-class white man. After yeah. all, we also have Sarah, who's getting royally fucked by what's happening with the sleepwalking and such. But we never see from her perspective no. up until the end. Right. Up until that point, she's the viewed, not the viewer. Right. So it could be that diegetic camera horror movies are about immersion and immediacy and not actually concerned with identification directly. Yeah. 
This is something that I'm still unpacking and exploring, as the field at large is as well. After all, there are hundreds of pages written on identification and recognition in art and film, like Laura Mulvey's Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema, which talks about the male gaze, and John Berger's Ways of Seeing. I will for sure go into a history of feminist film critique at a later point, but for now, I'm just really asking questions. Like, when we set up a film in this way, is it about identification? Is it about immediacy? Is it about immersion? Can you only immerse yourself in something that you can actually identify with? And how do we set up characters that we label as, like someone that you can identify with or someone you can see similarities with. Yeah. And how does that overlap with who's making the movies? Interesting. So that's society. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting because I have i didn't know the word. It was weird mm, because yeah. I was picking up on all of these things, but I didn't know yeah. the word for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, no music? Question mark. <laughs> like, I didn't know. But I have notes on this. I'm excited to see how it ties in because I, I took notes just like this you, you always surprised me Kate oh. 10 episodes in y'all and I'm still surprised still surprised the magic's still here oh. <laughs> we know from how patient Nikki was when I was trying to open champagne oh my god okay listen <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up I will Kate did I will always shave myself <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 10 we're very excited because and we got to 500 downloads thank you everybody thank you um, so we're really excited and we said, okay, well at this next recording, since it's episode 10 and we're doing the movie that started everything, we're going to celebrate Kate brought champagne. And Kate was like, <laughs> I'm going to open it. I, at first I couldn't find a rag to hold the cork in. So I said, here's a shirt that I definitely, definitely didn't barf on. <laughs> um, so a long time ago, not like recently, just to be clear. And I didn't just to be clear again. Um, <laughs> Shut up, Kate. Gave Kate a shirt and she's, she's, you know, doing what you're supposed to do and like pulling the cork really slow to get it to pop. <laughs> and then all I, all of a sudden, instead of a pop, I hear Kate go, it broke. <laughs> and so the cork broke. So then Kate goes, okay, well now I need a, <laughs> need a corkscrew. And I was like, great. I had to dig through my junk drawer, which is literally for some reason only full all of pumpkin, pumpkin carving, carving tools. tools. I don't know why. And so underneath all of that, I finally found the corkscrew. I walk over. Kate's in my bathtub. Kate was in the bathtub, hunched over the champagne bottle, trying to open it. Finally, I hear the pop. I scream because I knew it was coming and I was still scared. That's it. That was the whole story. But my God. See, the whole time I was like, I have to protect Nikki. She's afraid of champagne. And so I was like, okay. Something could go wrong. I'm using a corkscrew. That's not he opened champagne. Go to a safe room. What safe bathroom? <laughs> in the bathtub. I just hunched over the champagne bottle. And Nikki's and I looked over and she just looked at me and smiled like, it's good. It's good. It's like, is it? And I'm not, and to be clear, I'm not scared of champagne. I'm drinking it right now. It's very good. I'm just She's overcoming her fear. Listen. I'm so mad. I'm afraid of the cork popping out and hitting me because it's it's scary those it things scary. are thick they are that like, could give you a black eye i don't want one well That's i mean fair. i think i'd look cool as hell with a black guy but i don't want to tell people where i got it so that's what happened. That's the story of the champagne that kate opened in my bathtub whatever it's time to talk horror i mean that was scary so that leads in really well to this 
Okay. <clears throat> I don't know why it always starts with me as if I am the, the captain of horror. I'm not. I, I just saluted Kate. Um, <laughs> I I'm like, not. Okay. I just have things to say. So the one thing I did notice that I was really excited mm-hmm. about is that it does really, I wouldn't say subtle because it's not subtle, but it does aspect ratio changes. Oh. Uh, the whole time. So it's really cool because then it, because like you said, you're seeing it from the point of view of the camera, mm-hmm. but you're seeing it from the point of view of different cameras. So you have yes. a head cam, a handheld cam, security cameras, and I think maybe another handheld camera. So obviously those are going to have like different aspect ratios. So in a lot of times, like in a lot of shots, especially I think when you're watching it in the documentary setting, mm-hmm. like the interviews with the people, mm-hmm. uh, that would be scope. So that's, uh, scope is when it's like, you're seeing, um, I'm trying to explain it in a way that only, I'm sure people understand, but I have to try to explain it in a good way. I wrote it down. It, it's kind of like wi- widescreen. So you know how you have the bars on top uh, and you're yes. seeing more mm-hmm. wide, uh, like width of your screen instead of all the way to the top and everything. So that is scope. And then when you have it, so you have bars on the side, that's flat. And that's what we were seeing most of like the, um security cameras mm. and like the handheld cameras and all of those are usually flat mm-hmm. i think i mean they might not have actually been scope or flat but that's just like how i know them from working as a projectionist yeah. i was like scope flat it's either widescreen or it's got the little sides on the you know oh, yeah so they kept switching between those which Mine was wide boy or tall boy <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's literally what it is though it's it's wide boy tall boy if you want to remember it uh-huh. that's what it is <laughs> and there are other aspect ratios just to be clear like flat and scope are just the two most basic like things that you you use pretty much Mm -hmm. but you'll get a lot of people who will film stuff uh in an aspect ratio that i don't remember the actual name for it i feel like a failure as a projectionist because i don't remember but you can get one that's like almost like a perfect square oh it's like instagram yes in a way it's like that and it's slightly yes and it's slightly frustrating because I, i think you have to have a very specific not lens necessarily but like um a thing to cover the the parts of the screen that you're not seeing mm. Uh, we had to do that with certain films, and we in in some movies we literally just had pieces of paper on the glass that would just cover it and be like, "Well, you won't see that." <laughs> Can you think of like what one of those films was? Um, I'm so curious. Yeah. Now. Okay, so I could be wrong. This may have just been flat, but I think I'm not positive. The lighthouse oh, is shot. Um, that I have not and it's seen. not a perfect square. I don't think it is the perfect square, but it is a different aspect ratio than flat. We didn't have to do anything special for it. Mm. It's just a little smaller than it would be. Because it, it was supposed to look like an old-timey film, and older films are oh. that aspect ratio, I believe. Having I could be wrong. not seen The Lighthouse, I was like, oh, it's for claustrophobia. I got this. <laughs> I know these things. I don't know these things. But yeah, I, I, I think older films, for the most part, had a smaller aspect ratio than flat, hmm. I think. And like I said, I could be wrong. I have a friend who's a projectionist who listens to this. If he wants to weigh in, that'd be great. Um, I just know that I think the lighthouse was a little different, but it wasn't different enough that we had to like mess with anything. A lot of them aren't. Um, and like you get 70 millimeter is like the extra wide, even wider than like a scope would be. Mm -hmm. So if you know the movie, I think Hateful Eight, is that the one I'm thinking of? Hateful Eight? I mean, I've seen it. Is that Quentin Tarantino? What? Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. He shot that in 70 millimeter. To give those like super super sprawling mm-hmm. widescreen shots. Just the Wild West, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it was like winter, so the shots were like vast and so, like endless looking. Yeah. So that I could be wrong again, but I'm pretty sure that one was shot in 70 millimeter, which is actually when my theater got 70 millimeter was to show that film because there were only a few 
of them. Huh. And we wanted to be, you know, obviously the theater to be like, come see this movie in 70 millimeter, the Mm -hmm. way it was shot. Um, And it is beautiful when people do that. Um, Some movies don't need it and it can be really frustrating because you're like, it doesn't change much. So you're Mm -hmm. just like, what are you doing? Because then you got to get special stuff to do it and you're just like, stop. And yeah, especially if it's in like digital, they'll shoot it in 70 millimeter, but you can still play it digitally, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it just... I don't think it really adds much. It's just kind of like, if you're not going to play it on actual film, why bother? This is just my corner of being angry now at films. <laughs> um, but that is what this movie did. It had different aspect ratios, which was really cool because then it makes it even more believable Ooh, okay, in yeah. found footage. Yeah. Because obviously with Blair Witch, you didn't have that. But in Blair Witch's defense, they only had one camera or like one or two cameras. So if you have those two cameras, your aspect ratio is only going to change between two cameras. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't really have to fuck with it, obviously. So they didn't need that. This one, though, was great. I mean, because you had so many different cameras, obviously they're not going to have the same thing. So it was so cool. Yeah. Especially when they're supposed to be doing a documentary within found footage. Mm -hmm. So, like, you've got found footage from these shitty cameras, but then you have, like, an actual documentary going on. Which, obviously, you would want the content to be, like, nice looking. Mm -hmm. And it is. Which, scope, I mean, I I don't really think it's fancy, but it can look fancier on certain things. So, you can tell when they cut to the documentary and the interviews, it looks very polished and very nice. Mm, And, yeah. So, that was really cool. I thought that made it even scarier. Because then it just made the camera look even more gritty and, like, Mm -hmm. handheld and, like, creepy in a way. I don't know. But I liked it. Um... I was so excited that this movie did like a documentary within an actual documentary type thing because this is what the fourth kind wanted to do. (laughs) Oh God, it all comes back to the alien movie. (laughs) I knew, I knew as soon as I said this, I was like, I'm going to go on a fucking rant. I'm here for it. But this is what I think they could have been. And I'm not saying that this movie is like, the end-all be-all of good movies. Like, listen, it's... Uh, people really haven't heard of it that much. It's not that popular. It is popular. kind of a cult classic. Is it? Well, that's... The articles that I read said, like, cult classic. Hell, okay. I'll see. And I was like, okay. Because, like, a lot of people I tell about it haven't, like, really heard about it. But it is good. And the like people... It, yeah, it's too new to be exactly. a cult classic. It's only from, like, 2015, 2016. Right. So the people who have heard of it do really like it. Yeah. And then the people who haven't are like, well, check it out. Sounds yeah. great. And it is good. Um, and I think this is what the fourth kind could have been mm-hmm. because it is very similar premise because you have someone making a documentary, which is what this was supposed to be in the fourth kind. And then you have them making, they're using found footage that is supposed to be real. The difference is, one, they didn't exploit real disappearances to make mm. this, yeah. which is fucked up. They created their own mythology. Exactly. They created their own story and their own paranormal thing to be happening. They didn't exploit anyone to do it. And then they also never claimed that this was real. They didn't fucking lie to their audience. They just said like, they did what the Blair Witch did, where they were like, oh, it's real. Mm-hmm. Knowing like, wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. You know it's not. You know it's not. But if you can suspend your disbelief, doesn't it make it scarier? Yeah. They didn't lie. <laughs> so I was really excited when we did this because I was like, this is what the fourth kind wanted to be. But they just went about it the complete wrong different yes. way. Like, wrong way. Like, you didn't have to fucking lie. Your audience is not, we're not stupid. We know when something's not real. We know when something's not. Well, clearly we don't. Because, listen, I thought it was real for a long time. <laughs> I was like, bold words. But what I'm saying. 
<laughs> the Girl Scout oh. has something to say. Oh my god! But what I'm saying is, <laughs> is that like your audience is gonna figure it out eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, for and sure. if you're not, you're not fucking looking. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. To the people who still think that that's real and like that's how you're trying to explain the disappearances of people there, like, don't. This reminds me of the trope. You have to believe me. Where it's like right. people, and it's like. When you try to push back against certain types of mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists or just conspiracies in general, people are like, well, you're part of it. Oh, exactly. you believe Big Brother. Like, it just becomes one of those dismissive things. So, exactly. like, if you tell someone that truly believes, and not just because, like, they haven't read anything about it, but because they've read and they've decided right. that it's real. Right. Which is just, again, diminishing the actual disappearances yes. of real people and the <laughs> suffering of their families. Yep. Not to be a fucking downer, but, like, fourth kind. What the fuck? Okay, listen. A trope that has been in almost every movie we've seen so far. It's called Downer Ending. And I haven't <laughs> included it because I thought it was obvious. <laughs> it's like, so like, many Downer Endings. We already know. Um, but yes, I liked this one because it did what that one couldn't, which was give us like a documentary style thing. And it was weird because it was also a documentary that wasn't done. So you were seeing like interviews from what would be the documentary, but then you were seeing interviews from like what would eventually go into this documentary that they were making, you see the woman at the end breaking into the house, Mm -hmm. which most likely just would have gone into the documentary. All the footage that she has her assistant going through is footage that would eventually be in this documentary. Mm -hmm. But when they go through the footage, they discover that like everyone died, including Sarah. So it's terrifying that they are having an interview with Sarah, but the person interviewing doesn't know this. Yep. So that's super cool because you're seeing three different time periods of this like, documentary that is being made you're like oh this is what it would look like if it got finished oh this is what it's looking like while they're trying to make it Mm. oh this is what actually happened and they're fucked for trying to dig into this Mm -hmm. very cool loved that aspect of it um i actually don't have a ton to say about lighting and setting because we we talked about this Um, oh sorry i stole your thing no no i was good because this is what i was gonna say i mean i liked like i said aspect ratio changes the lighting was just you know natural lighting for the most part um, you did have like those neon lights and like it's very red and saturated, but that's to be expected because it's a haunted house attraction. That's what they usually do. There was one shot that I actually really liked, and I don't know if you noticed it. It is the one shot, maybe second, but I think it's really one of the only ones that is just complete natural lighting. They're outside. It is after they've like experienced a bunch of paranormal stuff and they're overwhelmed and they're like i don't want to do this and they're sitting in that grass Mm -hmm. yeah it is actually a very beautiful shot it is i wrote it in my notes and it is completely different than every shot you've seen in this Mm -hmm. movie which is why it's so great because it gives you this sense of calm like everything's okay they're in this really pretty field like this is great and it's really just the calm before the storm. Yeah. It's this moment of peace that they're they're giving you to be like, it's okay. Take a deep breath. You're mm-hmm. safe. And you're not at all because everything's about to be fucked. But it was just such a cool shot because it's so jarring mm-hmm. because you're looking at neon red lights, neon green lights. Everything's really dark. There's strobe lights. Like it's very, very like upsetting to your eyes for a while. And then all of a sudden you were just in this beautiful warm light field. It's It's got that nice like golden glow. It's so good. And then you're back to the terror. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't let up. No, for that like scene, I was like, I know Nikki's going to have stuff to say about this. But all I could like think about mm-hmm. were like two things. One, it's like at sunset. And it's like, okay, the sun is setting on their lives. Right. Uh, they're going to die. 
And then also, like, it's in a field, and generally fields are associated with, like, freeness and openness. Like, meadows in particular, right. not fields, because there's a lot of cultural weight behind fields. <laughs> right. But in terms of, like, open, grassy meadows, right. it's generally, like, lightness, childhood. Right. Being, like, free to pursue your dream, that sort of thing. But he's feeling trapped. And so he's sitting in this expansive space, and he feels like he has no options. Right. He can't leave the house. He's, like, stuck to this project. And yet he's in like one of the most beautiful settings in the whole mm-hmm. movie. And it sucks. it sucks. And it's just this, it's this really brief moment. And they're talking softly as opposed to like a lot of the other scenes where they're kind of like fighting with each other or goofing around or screaming because they're scared. Mm-hmm. So this is a very rare moment of like quiet talking that's not panicked. So it's also just a very interesting scene. I liked it a lot. Um, also the subtle blood. I love yeah. that most of the blood you see in this entire movie, if not all of it besides one part, is fake. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's all, like, aggressively fake, and that's the point, because oh, yeah. it's a haunted house. It's, like, aggressively fake blood, and then the one time you do see it is, like, Sarah, and she... You don't see her, like, straight on, either. You're seeing her, like, from the ground, and it's just gross, because it's, like, comparatively... It's still slightly over the top. Like, it's a lot of blood, But it's also like it's real. So it unsettles you even more because you're Mm -hmm. in this place where it's like blood is supposed to be like a prop and it's not gross. Love that. Last thing I had to say. (laughs) Uh, The really subtle jump scares. Well, not jump scares, but really subtle scares in general. Dude, that's in my notes. I want you to talk about it, though. Yeah. (sighs) There are, I would say, I really don't think there are jump scares in this movie. I wouldn't call any of the scares necessarily full-on jump scares Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times what you see you're obviously seeing what they see or you're seeing it before them but not because the camera is like showing you something that they can't see you're the camera is just pointed in a direction that they don't see yet they're just not paying attention or they haven't looked that way yet that's Mm -hmm. the most upsetting thing because in a lot of movies it's like something scary that they'll never really see or it's just like you're seeing someone hiding and the whole point is that they can't see it but in this it's like they will see it you're just seeing it first because the camera is like looking at it so you have to watch as they don't know and that's so much more upsetting like the the part when he's going through the haunted house to like test it out with Mm -hmm. the strobe lights and there are mannequins dressed as clowns And every time the strobe light goes, and it's great because it's not every time. It's like every few strobe light things, Mm -hmm. there's just another person. But it's so dark that even the audience can't tell if this is like a mannequin. It takes like four watches for you to be like, was there someone there? Mm -hmm. Was there not? I'm kind of confused. And I think it's great that the movie even knows this. They know that it's hard to see because they purposely show you a still of, they show you like a picture of what you just saw to be like, no, 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 there was an extra person there. Mm-hmm. So cool. And like the guy is questioning it. You're questioning it. I love that scene. <laughs> I'm, oh, it was great. I, I have another favorite, but I'll, I'll let you talk and then we'll see if we have similar ones. Because this, yeah, I had a rewatch bonus moment. Rewatch bonus. Yeah, there was a scare that I never even realized was there I'm, until I watched it for like the third time. I'm guessing I know which one it is. I'm excited to, I'm gonna come back to say to it, though. yeah. Um, Because there was something else, like, as you were talking, I was like, oh, shit, I want to bring this up. Where (laughs) we talked about last week slash last episode about um, the behind the black, where it's like 
the character doesn't see something because we couldn't see it. So it's right. like the bus that like the camera can't see coming because it's off camera. Mm-hmm. And so the character can't see it. Right. But in this case, it's not that we have an omniscient point of view. So we see more than the character. It's that we can see exactly what the character is seeing and they still miss it. Right. And I thought that was really fucking it's cool. Because so it's cool. not like, oh, they're turned the other way and it's behind them. It's like, no, they could have seen it and they didn't. Right. It's that they straight up weren't looking. Mm-hmm just happened to be looking in a different direction or in the one case where he's in his room Mm -hmm. this one really freaked me out there is a part where i think josh josh there is no josh there's no josh oh my god i just went with a i went with like a generic white boy name i'm gonna be honest with you his name is paul another generic white boy name exactly sorry to the joshes and the pauls sorry to the gregs and the chets (laughs) (laughs) apologies to all of you um paul is in (laughs) Paul is in his room um, and he's like laying in his bed and from the point of view of his bed you can see um, like the doorway behind him, his face and like his body laying on the bed. So basically the camera's just in front of him and you're seeing everything that's behind him. Um, And we've had this shot before many times where he's giving like a little interview if you will. Kind of yeah to like his camera just to be like here's what I'm working on here's what I'm doing blah blah blah. Um and there's like a really ominous like red light outside. It's very cool. His room is very dark. Um, and then the one night he turns on his camera because he either heard a noise or something happened. And he's just looking at his camera. He's talking to it. And there's just a fucking girl sitting in his room with her like knees up. She's all kind of she's kind of just sitting there, not looking at him, not doing anything, just sitting there. And that's what's the most upsetting is that mm-hmm. she's not trying to get him. She's not stalking over him she's just fucking sitting there and it's so scary and he doesn't see her but it's not because he can't it's because he just hasn't looked yet Mm -hmm. because why would you if you're in your own room why would you be like i should look around make sure no one's sitting here he's just so then he finally looks and it's just like such a real reaction of what the fuck who is that because it's not sarah who is the only woman who would be there at the time Mm -hmm. oh then she just like gets up and she just, and she doesn't run at him. She doesn't like attack. She just fucking gets up and starts walking. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so a few things about this moment. Yes, please. Because uh, I've now seen this movie three or four times. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> like by the time you saw it, I'd already seen it. Right. I was like, I want you to watch this movie. Right. So I've seen it twice. This is my second time. Yeah. This is my third or fourth. Um, And so like in that scene, I think someone else pointed it out and I did not notice it on my own. Oh, no. But it was, she doesn't look at him until he sees her. Ugh. Because she's just kind of staring. And oh then my he God. sees her, and then the next one you see her, her Holy, strangely white That makes white it worse. Eyes. That means that she didn't even fucking care. And then you never actually see her move. He goes no. underneath the covers, and then he brings it down, and she's closer. But she's still, <gasps> and then he brings the covers up again. And when he brings the covers down, she's closer. And Ew, I didn't know that! It's fucking awful and terrifying. But then, I have a palate cleanser for you. Okay. So, have you ever seen the, like, quote-unquote ninja cat video? No. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you and put it in the extended show notes. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's a cat and someone is like on the floor filming on their phone. I may have seen this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're like in a dorm room or like in an office or something. And so that you see this cat and that's totally still and it's just standing across the room and then they move the camera so that it's seeing blackness and then they move it back and the cat's closer, but totally still. Oh my God. And they do it for like a minute until the cat's like right up in front, but you (laughs) never see the cat move. 
And whenever I get scared about things like that, I, I think, think about the cat. Because <laughs> I get scared so easy. I don't know if we've <sighs> talked about it. Oh, we know. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> well, at least I know. You know. I don't know if they know. <laughs> Kate gets very scared. It's very funny. I People are continuously or continually surprised that I like horror because I am so easy to scare. It's true. Like one of our friends, we were at a cookout and uh, there was like a car honk or something yeah. like there was some no it was fireworks just a, there that were was fireworks it. and i screamed i literally screamed out loud yeah and i jump yeah. out of my chair <laughs> yeah i'm very easy very, to scare. very jumpy very scary even when i like i can tell when a lot of jump scares are coming i'm not saying i know all of them because no right but my mom taught me very well how to recognize when a jump scare <laughs> is coming and even if i know it's coming i'm still fucking scared so i'm watching this movie and i have a monitor and then my screen and I'm just like, maybe if I don't look at it, I won't be scared this time. <laughs> I've seen it four times. Four times. Yeah, I'm still scared of this movie. It's really, I think that's why it scares me so much, though, is because there's not really any jump scares. It's just, they're just slow. They're creepy. Here's another really great example is uh, once everything has gone to shit mm-hmm. and they're all running through the house, he's got a group of like patrons that were yes. like there and he says like come with me i think i know i know another exit. i know a way out yeah yeah he runs through the dining room and there's just this little girl and you know how i fucking feel about scary kids mm-hmm. um and it's not even like she has been a recurring ghost in this thing so you she's here once with paul and that's once. it so she's very new she's kind of like why are you here and so she's just standing there and the people have to walk past her to get out. Mm-hmm. There's nothing they can do if they, they want to leave. And most of them, I don't even think they would really know if she's part of it or not. But if the house is being evacuated and like on fire and all these things, why wouldn't you tell a little girl to come with you? Which makes me think that all of the people in this scene knew, not in the scene, but in that moment mm-hmm. of the movie, probably were like, that ain't right. You know what I mean? Why would a little girl be standing there? She didn't look great. White nightgown, stringy hair? No. I think they all were like, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that offers her a way out because I don't think she wants one. <laughs> no. But it's really creepy because she doesn't chase them. She doesn't pop out of nowhere. She's just standing in the middle of the room watching them leave. Couldn't really be bothered. Just yep. kind of like, oh, what are you doing here? And it's just that weird, like, attitude that creeps me out the most. Was that the rewatch bonus that you had? No. Okay, so I'm going to guess what it was. Yeah, yeah, go for okay. it. So um, when the documentary crew, Diane, and her mm-hmm. assistant, Mitchell. Yes. There's one that's with her and one that's going through the Mitchell's footage. Mitchell's going through the footage. Thank you. Okay. I don't know why I know that. I think it's Javier that's with her. I think so. She possibly. said the name so quickly that I, know. I like, didn't remember it. And of course, anyone behind a camera is invisible. Right, you like never like, see him, yeah. I think. Uh, so basically they're walking through the house Mm -hmm. and they realize the kitchen's blocked off and so they're going to have to go another Mm -hmm. way. And there was originally a mannequin in that doorway. And the next time they pass it, it's, um, Paul. Yeah. Just staring. Scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, because the first, it's like a clown mannequin too, Mm -hmm. but it's very dark. So like you wouldn't really clock the, (laughs) clock Clock the the clown. You wouldn't (laughs) clock the clown. You re- I mean, it was just kind of like a, and it's a quick pan through the thing. It's not like he lingers on this mannequin at all. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, you know, I'm just going to show what this kitchen looks like, whatever. And you you notice it, I guess. You're just like, oh, yeah, there's a mannequin there. And then they cut back and all of a sudden it's on a clown. It's just like a guy in normal clothes. So it's so easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Which is why I, I did not notice that at all. I had to watch it twice today to go back and be like, oh, my God, ew. Like, I was like, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, so so cool. Cognetti, uh, is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Cognetti. Did, uh, he answered questions on Reddit. So mm-hmm. in like I was reading through it, and he was like clearing up a lot of backstory stuff, mm-hmm. especially since the backstory has already been clearly established by the sequel and the right. Third. Um, but it was cool because he was someone mentioned that they saw that and he was like, "Oh, I'm so glad you picked that up. That was kind of like an Easter egg type thing. We weren't sure people were going to see it, but we wanted to make sure it was there." And I'm yeah. just like. <laughs> <laughs> good for you <laughs> mm-hmm. do you want to hear a fun fact about this movie yeah okay it was not originally written to be found footage really mm-hmm. so he was originally writing it to be more like narrative style yeah and then when they decided they wanted to do found footage they had to cut like huge swaths of the story Whoa. because in found footage you have to justify every single time the camera's on right because if there's no reason for them to be filming at that moment why have it? then it immediately like pushes against that willing suspension of disbelief and right. people are like well why would you be filming this right and so every scene has to be justified right more than just like oh we have to have a reason for putting the movie no there has to be a reason it's being seen yeah and so he had all this backstory and they had to cut a lot of it. And so, you know, when Mac pulls Tony aside and yeah. is like, dude, I have to tell you something. And then you can decide if you want to go and you don't see the conversation, but you see after. And Tony's like, I guess I have to stay. And Mac is like, yeah, that's why I'm staying. And the reason <gasps> is because Alex has lost all of her capital. <gasps> there is no money. I, I mean, I kind of got mm-hmm. this vibe. Like, yeah. I was like, I could make a guess. So, but I yeah. didn't know. And that's how it's supposed to be, where there are enough clues where someone could say it's a money thing. Right. Because, like, oh, he doesn't want to have animatronics for some reason. Oh, like, right. why aren't we staying in a hotel? Why are we staying that in a house? Sense. Yeah. There are so many other, like, small clues. Which is smart. But it was originally much more explicit. Right. In terms of, like, there is no money. <laughs> Opening night has to succeed. They yeah, have to succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, no one gets paid. That's such a cool, smart, subtle way, though, to put pressure on the opening night, mm-hmm. to force your characters to want to stay yeah. here. That's so cool. And See, that, I love that. And that's something that they do, like, in the second and the third movie. I don't remember. I never saw the third movie. We haven't right, watched Right, we haven't watched that. Yet. But in the second one, I think it's, like, another journalist. And she's like, I have to know. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's another journalist. And it's it's one of the people from either one of the people from the first or one of someone who knew them or something. Because I remember he was yeah. like, you don't want to go there, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's something like that. I truly don't remember. <laughs> but it is someone. <laughs> All I, think, I remember is that it was an Australian actress. I think actress. it's Mitchell. Oh. I think it's the guy who goes through the footage. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Okay. That would make sense. Um, and yes, there was a woman with the Australian accent. Literally, that's all I remember is that we were watching this and I messaged Nikki and it's like, she's Australian. And he's like, what? And I was like, she's hiding her accent. And Nikki's like, I still don't I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I Googled it. I was like, I was right. And Nikki's still like, what are you talking about? Kate just subtly picks up on this Australian accent she's hiding and was just like, I knew it. And I was like, what is happening? When she said this one word, I clocked her immediately. Clock that accent. Uh-huh. Clock a lot of things on this <laughs> we podcast. Clock a lot of things. Except not, I, apparently not the dick. I'll never clock the well, dick. Well, you will never clock the dick. Sorry I brought it up again, but I'm just bitter. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, so like, because he had had these massive sections of the story cut out, he had already had the trilogy planned, basically. Right. So like, when it came to like, making a sequel and making a third, he already had all of the story. He had all yeah. of the backstory. He was like, now you actually get to see it. That's because cool, though. we had to cut it out for found footage, but now we can develop it through these other characters that would have caused to see this. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I thought that that was really cool where he was like, yeah, I had the whole, like, it wasn't just, oh, we have a moneymaker. Let's like pull loose some threads of story that we can continue. It was like, no, he had the whole narrative and now he can keep telling it. And this is another, I've talked about it before, but this is another movie that trusted their audience to be like, I'm going to give you as much story as I can with a found footage because Mm -hmm. obviously you can't just fucking give, I can't hand feed you every single thing and just trust them enough to be like, they will read the context clues and paper to figure this out mm-hmm. or piece it together themselves. Like, whatever. Yeah. You've given them enough. And that's great. I love that. And if it they is... don't piece it together, then it's mystery. You know? Don't make me bring up the fourth kind again, but the fucking fourth kind! Oh, boy. Oh, I just, like, smacked my mic. I was so angry. Um, But don't... I'll go back. The fourth kind is when they gave you, like, every tiny piece of information and yet none at the same time. Do you know? You know, mm-hmm. like, they just... They, like... It's aliens, it's aliens, it's aliens. They gave you so much information and they were forcing this in your your face to Mm -hmm. be like, this is what it is. But then they didn't elaborate on it at all once they gave it to you. So you were like, okay, cool. Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? I know we're not covering the fourth kind, but I'm just still better. That's fair. (laughs) And this, it's just that this movie had similarities to it. So I'm basically just like, this is what it could have been. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But yeah, um, fucking cool. I love this movie still. I was worried that I would watch it again and not like it as much. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if I just liked it because it was a fun chat that we yeah. had? Like, But nope. Genuinely just a really cool movie. Yeah. Still really fucking scary. I, those weird jump scares. Not even jump scares. Just them standing there. Mm-hmm. It happens like three times. There's another part where they're, they're freaking out because some of the clown mannequins have been moving. And they run away and they're getting away out of the basement. And then one of the mannequins from the basement is upstairs now. And the only way past them, the only way to get away is to just run past that mannequin. And it's like, oh, that's so creepy. They have to Mm -hmm. run right next to it, not knowing if it's going to move because it's been fucking moving. Yep. (sighs) That made me so uncomfortable. And it's like none of the like creatures. It's not a creature, but like none of the supernatural scares are like motion based where it's not like something pops up to scare you. Mm -hmm. It's like something is where it shouldn't be. Right. And that something is a giant clown mannequin. Right. (laughs) With blood coming out of its eyes and mouth. Exactly. It's just these things that like they're just not where they should be. Yeah. And and it's that it's that unknown fear again where I'm like, I just don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. Um, and there's also like the unknown of why exactly <laughs> why is this why? happening where and it's it's like someone behaves in a way that you don't understand but it's not towards an end no it's not like they sneak into your house to steal something it's just they're standing at the foot of your bed and there's no reason no for reason them to be there and so there's just this this is not how people in our society are socialized to behave what's happening this does not yeah. fit my understanding of the world exactly it's just upsetting and in this case, it's like they are like woken up by a sound and like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? They look down the stairs. The clown is on the stairs. And they're like, this is yeah. wrong. And there's like no sound. It's not like this Ugh. like intensity of no. music building. It's just like, they're both like, what the fuck? And so Mac finally is like, whatever, I'm not scared of shit. And he goes down and he like bops it on the head. Yeah, which like, <clears throat> yeah. And he's like, oh, dude, it's a fucking mannequin. We got to move it. So he starts moving it. And Paul's like, dude, I want none of this. Right. And so they're going to go move the clown to the basement. But I think that's when they hear the piano. Mm-hmm. You lose track of oh, what the fuck's yeah. happening because it's just upsetting. And it happens to so many people so many different times. But they're like not communicating it well enough to like do anything about it. It's very upsetting. So as you can see, the confusion, they did a good job of just keeping you in the dark and like... I've seen it three times. I'm still confused. <laughs> right. I was like, 
there's just so many scenes and and you can tell that the basement is important and that's Mm -hmm. this basement is terrifying Mm -hmm. and it's not good don't go down there but they do um it literally had Mm preloaded pentagram on the wall bibles women's shoes yes oh my god those shoes really creep me out and he's like are these your size and i was like don't did you notice when they find paul in the basement he's sitting on his shoes (gasps) oh no he's barefoot and then behind him are his like tennis shoes or whatever no i don't Mm -hmm. like that ew Mm -hmm. that's freaky take your shoes off at the door oh god no it's horrific (laughs) it's like the demons were like hey we have one rule no shoes in the basement white carpet dude white carpet please (laughs) don't it's muddy oh i didn't notice that that's terrifying um but yeah they keep you confused which i love in a good movie if you do it well same with the, the the house layout i could never pin down how this house was laid out because they were just running around and it just confused me. Yeah. And I liked that. It's built to be confusing because when yeah. you're going through a haunted house, like they want to maximize how many scares per mm-hmm. square foot. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, like I've never run a haunted thrill, but I'm assuming <laughs> that renting a building, like you want to maximize the space you have. And right. so there's a lot of like winding and turning mm-hmm. and then there's the kitchen, there's the dining room, there's right. the bar, there's the basement, there's like all these different rooms and yeah. you want to like weave through them in a way exactly. that's longer. And it's so hard to tell what connects to what because yes. I'm like, no idea. They're running a the camera angle's confusing. It was just a blur of fear. <laughs> you know what would be really cool? What? If there was a phasmophobia level in <gasps> We need to tell them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to all tell right. them. We'll Everybody? add it to their Trello. <laughs> Quick, all of our fans, get at it. Start <laughs> tweeting. Keep <laughs> tweeting. I'm so, yeah. We got to do that. That's amazing. Also, I really want to go to this haunted house. So if we ever figure it out, and it's still open... We gotta go. Guess what I'm Googling as soon as we're done recording. We're going. We're going. We're going. We're gonna record while we go through it. We'll ask yeah. her. We'll be like, hey, listen. Listen. <laughs> we gotta record while we go through this house. I mentioned to you earlier, uh, not in person, mm-hmm. over message, um, that the actress that plays Melissa, the girl that's chained up in the basement, yeah. is like, this isn't part of the thing. That she yeah. liked her post. Oh, Melissa. Yeah. Well, if she listens to this. Melissa, you were amazing. She really terrified me. She was great. She was so good. Literally, one of my only qualms about this movie was that the manacles actually locked. And I was like, it's really not hard to have self-releasing cuffs or manacles. Right. Where there's like a button that you press and it releases it. And then you can get out. But she's relying on Joey, the fake clown, to have the keys. And she's also relying on Joey to prevent people from touching touching her. her And And he's already creepy. Because like... They give him very few lines, but, like, right. one of them is him being like, oh, she's hard to not look at or something. Ugh, like, it's something Joey, along those lines where on. it's creepy. It's not great. And uh, he, of course, like, dips as soon as stuff starts to get weird. Right, in the and then she can't get away. She can't get away because she's literally manacled to the ceiling. But it's like, it is not hard to get self-releasing cuffs. No. Like, Listen, my only qualm, treat Melissa better. <laughs> treat Melissa better. <laughs> Hashtag treat Melissa better. I hope she listens and knows that she was like one of my favorite parts of this movie. She's great. She was really great. She was. I did have one like camera angle shot thing that I wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. your opinion on. So when they're interviewing Sarah at the end of the interview, Mm -hmm. she's like, hey, I'm tired. And she gets up to leave and they like pan the camera down. So it's just at the table. Mm -hmm. And that's all you see is their reflections in the table. I wanted to know what you thought about that. (sighs) I loved it. (laughs) Um... I liked it, especially because you uh, can hear her talking still, but you're not really seeing, like, her mouth move. And I think it just adds to, like, it being a little unsettling to what she's saying. It's just the, like, you can't see her. 
She just said she was tired and now she's like, I'm going to be in this hotel. Like, what's stopping you from going? You should just go. It was like, so out of character. It was so out of character because you're what? You're looking at her the entire time and she's like barely talking and she's really tired and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden she's like, what's stopping you from going? She has this confidence that mm -hmm. came out, but you don't see her face. And you're just like, mm, what does she look like when she says that? Yeah. Like, it's I, like, I wonder if she looked different. It was just a good shot. And also just seeing it in the reflection is great because it's just, again, you're seeing it from the camera. It was just a cool way. To keep it from, you know, the camera's point of view and to keep it this found footage style while still giving you, like, an interesting shot. Yeah. Because you can't, with found footage, you can't do, like, interesting artistic shots, really, yeah. unless you find a workaround. And that was a cool workaround. Yeah. So, I loved that shot. Yes. I was like, Nikki's going to have thoughts on it. <laughs> I did, yeah. I just, I completely forgot about it because I was so excited about all the scares. But, yeah, that was the one shot that I was like, oh, this was great. When they can find cool workarounds like that, it's it's awesome. There's a few like that. I'm excited to do paranormal activity. There's a few like that as well. I'm so excited to um, cover that. Obviously, the first one, like, I, ha I haven't really seen all of the sequels, but I know the first one has some cool shots like that. And I've only seen the first one. It's, 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 I love that one. It's very good. But yeah. Gotta, gotta find those workarounds. Did you have more to talk about regarding qualms? Uh, my only qualms were really just like the jokes that some of them made um oh paul's jokes paul. are awful and i and think then, you're not supposed to like paul no. really so which is why i was like why is he the person that's holding a camera exactly i and i wonder if it was just like supposed to maybe uh make you not so i think maybe you're supposed to like sarah yes so then it makes you feel even worse when paul kills her because then you're kind of yeah. like fuck paul he's been shitty this whole time yep. if they're gonna take anybody take paul whatever then it does this 180 where you're like, okay, you can take Paul, but don't take Sarah. Like, yeah, it gives you that moment of like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I had totally forgotten that he like bashed her over the head with the camera. Yeah. I forgot about that part because I remembered that like you see him die and you see right. her dragged away, but I could not remember how she died. Right. When it's that. like, she doesn't even die. And that's she's what, alive when she's dragged away. Right. Which is why it's like. Is she even her right now? Is she just possessed? Or is she like, you know, it's this whole ambiguous she, thing. It's great. Because when she's leaving the attic, she has just seen a horrific sight. She yeah. saw her partner die by suicide. Mm -hmm. Something happened to Mac when Mac was trying to help Alex down. Right. She saw these like figures. You don't know everything she saw because like it wasn't from her perspective because it's the diegetic it's the, camera. Yeah. But she picks up the camera. Why? Maybe it's protective like Heather. And so I she like too. Yeah. runs down the stairs and like... What she has already said in the interview was, I left the attic, they came in, they didn't ask me any questions, they took me outside. Who's Whatever. They? Yeah, like the paramedics. Exactly. Uh, but, but, is but who's they? Is it? <laughs> and so then you actually see what's happening, and she's like going down the stairs, and she has very few roadblocks in her way, and then you see like a figure. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if it's the clown or a hooded figure. It is figure. a hooded figure. It's a hooded figure. Mm -hmm. And she just looks at it, nope, turns away. Yep. She doesn't scream. She doesn't run. She doesn't gasp. So she sees it, turns the other yeah. way, keeps going down the hall. Then she sees Paul. She's like, oh my God, Paul. She hugs him. Yeah. Then he fucking kills her. Right. Well, it's not he smashes over the head with the camera and then she's right. dragged away while she's still awake. <laughs> so it's not even the shadowy figure that mm -mm. does it. It's no. the one person that, you know, she trusted mm -hmm. and... I ugh, and so that she spooky. was always nice to, even though exactly. everyone else she you know exactly, and he didn't deserve it either. No. And I think that's why you're supposed to like Sarah so much is yeah. because like she's nicest person, even though he doesn't deserve it. You're seeing everything through his eyes, 
which makes you want to like Sarah even more just because you're like, stop being nice to this idiot. I'm seeing everything he sees and he sucks. He sucks. And then when he does it, you're like, fucking no. Yeah. <laughs> you're like the one person. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, it's such a weird, ambiguous ending, which I'm sure leads into some tropes, possibly. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. So the first trope is super fitting for what we yeah. were just talking about. It's called the apocalyptic log. Oh. We have talked about this before with Blair Witch Project. It's pretty much a staple in found footage mm-hmm. horror. So it, it, it kind of has to be. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> well, it, it, the found footage is the apocalyptic right. log. So it's essentially any recording of events written... Uh, audio or visual because mm-hmm. there are podcasts that are apocalyptic logs oh, like yeah, yeah, we are yeah. still here stuff like that so it's essentially any recording of events leading up to disaster mm-hmm. the log tends to go right up until a writer or filmer's death mm-hmm. it can be used to establish 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 <laughs> it can be used to establish the setting and history in post-apocalyptic fiction it's mm-hmm. really common in that it can catch up those heroes that are late to the tragedy, <laughs> or it can show what the rescue party will find after they respond to the distress call too late. Right. If it's a video apocalyptic log, as this is, it will generally show the degradation of the situation and their mental wellness. Right. <laughs> so it's like people will look tired or not all there. And like when Alex is giving his opening night speech yeah. to the crew, like you have this idea that because you've seen him earlier in the film, that he can be charismatic and he can be engaging. And like he's done this before. But then opening night, he can't find words. He's tired. It's yep. just lackluster. And Max like, okay, let's go, guys. We yeah. got this. And Max like trying to pick up the slack. And so you see that degradation over time right. where Alex is the only one pushing forward, pushing everyone else forward. Right. And there's some backstory. Ooh. I don't know why I did jazz hands for that. She um, did. It was great. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to do video for this. And I know. I'm dreading it because I do a lot of motions that don't make sense. Like when I said headphones, I tapped my ears. <laughs> Kate does a lot of motions and that's what she's worried about. I'm worried because I do wear pajamas. <laughs> I'm in like full on pajamas. Kate's in a lovely dress. I told you already it's because I hate wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get it. I just, if we do video, I'm going to have to like, ugh, put on real pants. No, you only have to look great from like the waist up. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Which is still going to be tough. <laughs> no, you have a adorable pigtail braids right now so <laughs> i Got haven't showered in so long <laughs> oh god so oh god what was i even i was talking about the degradation of alex and he's giving the speech and yeah like, yeah i don't remember i would think i was gonna go somewhere from there but who knows what it is so alex's opening night speech the actors is showing that like degradation the apocalyptic mm-hmm. log it's also really common video game trope so like there's yep. what remains of edith finch which is <gasps> a pc game that i played and is it's so good everybody beautiful it's gorgeous it really is definitely like check out some trigger warnings for it first yes but it is a very beautiful game or basically any zombie game because right. there has to be like this log to say like, like this is us, how this obviously happened. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then the next trope we have the cassandra and the cassandra truth we've talked about these before oh yeah, yeah okay we've talked about these before is how i could have said it <laughs> why would you <laughs> why would i, I like it the other way why say more words when less words when do, trick. Words do trick <laughs> So basically, like, the Cassandra's Paul, mm-hmm. and then later Mitchell. Right. Beca- not Mitchell. Uh, Javier? I believe, yeah. Mitchell is the one that we get in the second film. Yes. He's the one that goes through the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, the person behind the camera mm-hmm. that Diane 
is forcing to go with her. Right. It does not sound that he wants to go there because, like, he even says, don't go the fuck in there. Yeah, and there, she goes the fuck in. <laughs> he, it's great because he is such a sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell he's terrified and he's making jokes to make up for it. And he's like, oh, of course, of course you're going to do that. Oh, of course there's blood. Oh, And, like, mm-hmm. you can tell he's just so upset. But he's just making jokes because yeah. he's like, I just want to leave. I just want to leave. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Poor guy. Ay, ay, ay. So they're like the Cassandra because mm-hmm. they're saying valid things and mm-hmm. no one's listening to them. I remember what I was going to talk about previously. Yeah, here we go. It's the backstory. And then I said jazz hands. Oh, <laughs> right. The jazz hands derailed us. This is where us. we got off track because Classic of jazz hands. Classic Kate. <laughs> uh, so basically it was that um, Alex's movements that caused the company to lose all their capital mm-hmm. could have been influenced by the hotel. The hotel oh. was setting up the situation that would force them to go there. And the hotel was manipulating him or the spirits that occupy right. the hotel, like Tully, <gasps> are forcing Alex to manipulate his friends to stay there. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. The hotel is so scary. And I see, gotta go. <laughs> I remembered because jazz hands. <laughs> thank God for jazz hands. Thank God for jazz hands, as I never say. Uh, <laughs> so we have the Cassandra, Cassandra Truth. Winslow, Chekhov's gun. That's pretty much in every mm-hmm, horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the creepy basement. Pretty straightforward. Creepy basement. Basements are creepy. They're often poorly lit. They have limited options for escape. Usually just one, the way you came. And there's lots of unsavory pests and probably monsters. Really, the horror is what could be there right. and not what is there. Yeah. It's the nothing scarier thing. Right. And then we have Dead All Along. This is usually used as a twist, as it was in this. Yeah. But spoiler for The Sixth Sense, if you haven't seen this movie from two decades ago yet. (laughs) Here's another movie we're going to spoil on top of this one. Hey. So I'm giving you ample time to skip ahead by like 30 seconds. Bruce Willis did not survive the incident early in the movie. He has been dead the whole time. Or almost the whole time. And the only person that he like conversates with is Heli Joel Osment as a small child who sees dead people. It also happens in The Ghost Whisperer who uh, most people probably haven't seen The Ghost Whisperer. I was going to say, I was like, I know of it, but I, I've not seen it. I don't remember her name. She's, is it? Nope. I was like, Jennifer Love Hewitt? Nope. Someone else with three names. Uh, Melissa Jones? No. Mm-hmm. That's Sabrina, right? I'm really <laughs> yeah. good at this game. I'm so That's good at this Sabrina. game. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I'm just going to do a quick I Google. I only knew the three names. I really want to guess now. Who is it? I don't know it. Dude, I was fucking right. Really? It's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Hell yeah! I knew a thing. It wasn't Melissa Jones. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Oops. we have <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Ghost Whisperer. <gasps> oh, thunder. Ooh, spooky thunder. So rain at one point, and you were in the middle of like a really good like thing. I was hoping and you I was picked like, it There's up. There's rain though. <laughs> yeah, it's raining a lot, it. <laughs> and then we just got spooky thunder. I hope it comes through. <laughs> So in The Ghost Whisperer, we see the main character's friends, who's mm-hmm. played by Aisha Tyler, who always deserves better. Yeah, I know. Um, she's great in Archer. <laughs> Love her in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the main character's best friend did not actually survive the huge plane crash. Her friend mm-hmm. wasn't on the plane. She was, like, driving, and she got hit by the plane that was falling or oh, something. fuck. Yeah. But her friend did not realizing it. <laughs> did not realize it. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Someday I'll be able to say a sentence Someday. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. So um, Jennifer Love Hewitt, her mm-hmm. character recognizes it, knows her friend is dead, but right. the audience does not know her friend is dead oh. until episodes later. That's wild. And then it's revealed. And it's also 
God, there's so many different tropes that are like wrapped up in this that I had to do a lot of research on today because I did not understand. But basically, dead all along. Yeah. And it can also be known to the dead person, but unknown to the audience or other characters, as is the case here. So Mm -hmm. Sarah's not actually alive. Uh, Every member of Hell House died by or on that fateful night. Yeah, yeah, Because it's questionable whether Paul was actually alive. Was he alive and possessed? Was he dead? Right. Questionable. But, uh, so she's, like, dead all along, and it's not a secret to her, but this can also be played as, like... The sixth sense thing where the dead person doesn't know they're dead. Fun. Yeah. And then this leads into demonic possession, arguably, Paul. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is strongly implied to have been attacked by the entity in his room. And then sometime later he's found but doesn't speak. He just stares. Yeah. And then murders the only nice person with a camera. Right. And then we have developing doomed characters. And we had this with Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Because, you know, at the beginning they're going to die. Like, it is established they're missing. Yeah. But you still develop them. You still make them... um, identifiable like empathizable it makes it makes you care about you them. empathize with them right it makes you understand them and wants them yes. to survive which makes it even worse when you know they don't yeah because you yeah. have like sarah talking about hitch and not it's probably like i am legend that they're talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah, or something yeah. i've never even seen that movie but i was like it's probably i am legend that they're talking about but <laughs> someone's like don't even say hitch and she's like i love hitch and she's like i love hitch and it's this yeah. really cute moment and yeah. she's just very sweet yeah and mac seems like a good old guy like he, like, Sarah wakes up from, like, a trance of sleepwalking. Right. And she's freaking out. And he's like, it's okay. This is where you are. This is what's happened. This right. is where you are. You're okay. We're with you. We're going to take you upstairs. Yeah. So, like, you develop these characters that, I mean, some of them are shitheads like Paul, but some of them are great. So that's developing Doom characters. And it's even, like, reinforced by those callbacks to, like, the happy times. Yeah. Because when Diane is walking through the house and she's like, oh, this is the bar. You have that flashback moment okay, where you yeah. see them drinking at the Which bar. Is, like, such a nice moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we have foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. And then this one, I was wondering whether I should include it or not. Because it's not, like, super strong in this movie, but I think it's a really cool trope and I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> and it's called For Want of a Nail. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm familiar with this, but I could not tell you what it means. Yeah. I know it's a proverb, but I did not know what it was a proverb about. I just knew that it was <laughs> tragic. <laughs> I don't know. So here is the proverb turned poem from the 14th century, potentially earlier. <clears throat> For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the message was lost. For want of the message, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's basically saying, like, you couldn't shoe the horse. And that has this cascade of tragic dominoes that leads to the kingdom falling. Right. Because the horse didn't have a nail for the horseshoe, it couldn't deliver the rider who was delivering the message, who was changing the course of the battle, who was defending the kingdom. Makes sense. Butterfly effect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's a butterfly effect, like this ripple effect, the disaster dominoes mm-hmm. that start with something so minor. Right. <laughs> One nail. <laughs> One nail. And it becomes major. So arguably, it can factor in here mm-hmm. where it's if Diane had watched the tapes instead of telling Mitchell to watch them. If she had watched them, she probably wouldn't have gone into the hotel. She right. might still have. She truly might still have because she was fairly dedicated to that story. Right. But I think there are definitely stronger examples of this trope. Yeah. It's not even just that, too. It's not that just like she had watched the tapes. He calls her to Mm. tell her like he's watching them. He does. Yeah, he calls and he's he's like, uh, Javier, I think, on the camera says like, who's that? And she says, oh, it's Mitchell. I'll just call him back. 
Mm-hmm. And if she had just answered the phone, she answered the phone. She probably would have learned everything about it because she was already skeptical because Sarah said like, "Oh, I'm staying at this hotel." Found out she wasn't at the hotel. She and she was like, "Oh, that's weird. Maybe she just got the hotel wrong. Whatever." Yeah. So she's already a little unsure of Sarah in that moment. So if she had just answered the phone, he would have been like, "Yo, Sarah's dead." Yeah, and she could have been like, "Cool, I'm going to fucking leave." Yeah, or she maybe wouldn't have. But it's more likely to believe that she probably would have yeah. at least left to pursue Sarah who she thought Sarah was. Or tried to leave. Because this right. is something that I do personally. Because when I'm like, oh, this tragic misunderstanding, I was like, hold on though. Even if this message had been completed, it might not have ended up well. And oh, it's right. like a mental trick I use to make myself feel better about <laughs> missing the fateful call. Oh, no. Where it's like uh, when, I think it's Mac, but I'm not totally positive, when he's trying to help people out on the night of the right. tragedy, the door closes and won't open. Right. Like after a lot of people get out and he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I think we have another exit. There is no way out of the house. It's like in Phasmophobia when the haunt starts. Right. That's it. All the doors lock. Like None of them will open. You are stuck inside the house until the hunt ends. Right. And so to me, it's like, even if she had answered that call, maybe she would have been unable to get out and in pure terror until the moment that she was dead instead of just dying quite suddenly with minimal terror. Right. So it's like, it may not have changed anything. May not have. But maybe. Maybe. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. So scary. And then this is one of my favorites. Gas leak cover up. Yeah. <laughs> so in this movie, they're basically saying like, oh, yeah, this wild tragedy. It was an equipment malfunction. It was a gas leak. Right. And it always so is. <laughs> it's always a gas leak, which we mentioned in our uh, chat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top. It's always a gas leak. Always so a gas leak. it's a common lie for a reason. Lots of people died in something supernatural. Gas leak. Mm-hmm. Why? Don't want to spend money or resources framing someone. Gas leak is a feasible accident. Need to keep people away from the site. Still dangerous. Could be traces of gas remaining. Got people saying they saw weird shit. Turns out the gas was hallucinogenic. Right. In the interviews. It explains everything. <laughs> it explains everything. So, like, they explained the official cause of the tragedy was a gas leak, but the leaked 911 call pretty much debunked that. Mm-hmm. And then there was the leaked footage on YouTube, further complicating everything. Right. But then we have government conspiracy, so the aforementioned gas leak, when it's like it goes all the way to the top, like <laughs> the whole town is covering up, whatever. Yeah. And then we have this like combination of three tropes where it's haunted house, hell hotel, and in of no return. Hell hotel. Mm-hmm. So haunted house, the, ha- the hotel is haunted by Tully and the people he's killed or sacrificed in demon rituals mm-hmm. or demonic rituals rather. And I do want to talk about in future episodes when we inevitably cover a haunted house. Right. <laughs> about like how we talk about haunted houses and like what it could represent. Like yeah. That, whatever. For the time being. It's a hotel, it is haunted, and they are setting it up as a haunted house. Uh, the Hell Hotel. So hotels can be awesome, but they can also be creepy as shit. Yeah. And like, I love hotels. Same. I love staying in them. But they're also intended to hide the fact that thousands of people have slept on that bed, showered in that bathroom. Like, they're, like, orchestrated to hide the fact that there have been so many people there before that. Mm-hmm. And there's so much history. And so, like, hotels are creepy Ugh. for any number of reasons. And also, like, the repetition of everything looking identical creepy it can also fit into in of no return and in of no return is really common in like french stories apparently okay and it's where innkeepers murder their guests for money (laughs) and then if they really want to like save a few (laughs) bucks they serve those guests to future guests oh my god (laughs) but like the trope page was like strangely common in french films or something oh no (laughs) 
no. Then we have, I don't like the sound of that place. And it's uh, the naming of the city. So mm-hmm. Abaddon Hotel is named after the town Abaddon. And that's like apparently the demon guarding the gates of hell or something. Like they do mention it in the documentary. The Interesting. Documentary. Okay. Uh, and the trope calls out locations that have names of open right. dread. Like Hell Town. Right. You know? Like if you were like, I'm going to go to terrifying Hell City. And yep. they're like, oh, beautiful place. I'm going <laughs> to go to Evil Rises. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it there it's so great uh and they did like make sure to say that it doesn't even have to be evil if like the town could be delightful right but if it's called Hellmouth, like it doesn't don't, matter don't if they have, like, like great hot springs it's called right. Hellmouth. Yeah. uh let's see there's also intrepid reporter so it's right. like a reporter that gets involved in the story jump scare gotta get that story gotta get the story then there's jump scare, which is done mm-hmm. in a really wild and unique way, arguably. Like, I would definitely hear and agree with the argument that there aren't jump scares because it's right. not something jumps out at you. There's not that right. non-diegetic, like, building of suspense. But there also is something that is suddenly there that you didn't right, expect. Right, exactly. So it's not jumping out at yeah. you, but it's still there and you're not yeah. looking for it. I'd hear, like, it's a trope that's played with or subverted or zigzagged. Like, I would yeah, accept yeah. any manner of those. Right. Then there's also leave the camera running. Mm-hmm. Originally, I thought this was going to be something like Heather refusing to turn off the camera or the intrepid reporter insisting that they keep filming. Like, don't stop filming. Right. But this is actually speaking to a long shot of something unchanging for stylistic reasons. Right. So here we see the camera filming essentially nothing because it was dropped by someone that died while holding it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like in the scene, it's not a super long shot, but when Diane drops the camera, right? that's uh, leave the camera running. And then when, what's her face? Uh, Sarah. Right. Drops the camera. You do see some things happening, but there is a long shot of nothing or like right. foot, feet moving to the side. Mm-hmm. And then you see like his feet moving and then her being dragged away and then his feet moving again. And then you realize that he has cut his throat and he right. collapses yeah. to the ground and bleeds out slowly. Yeah. So it's not always what you see. It's just like why you are seeing this yep. long shot. It's yep. mostly just because that person's dying. So mm-hmm. that's what's scary. It's not what's on the shot. Which is great. And that's when sound design becomes really important. Because it's what you hear. Yes. We love good sound. And there's a lot to talk about with like leave the camera running and like subjective versus diegetic in terms of like camera angles and stuff. And yeah. We talk about paranormal activity. But I'll save it for paranormal Wait. activity. <laughs> the next trope. Yeah. <laughs> is meaningful background event. Which I almost said meaningful background event. <laughs> <laughs> slap happy i'm a little slap happy today (laughs) i'm just dyslexic (laughs) so (laughs) so the meaningful background event is something important happens in the background Mm -hmm. attention is not drawn to it right it's not like in the foreground and it can start as background that forces itself into the foreground yeah yeah or it can also just be used to foreshadow something later Mm -hmm. and in this case tv tropes users have pointed out that all the times you see a creepy thing hiding or standing somewhere it's missed by the main characters right and so it could be classified as a meaningful background event but to me that's more of like a rewatch bonus or like foreshadowing. Yeah, I would say the only moment that stuck out to me when you said it was um, Sarah looking at the statue. Mm, because yeah. there is a moment where they're talking and they're not really focusing on Sarah. They're yes. just having a conversation. And then you notice that Sarah's just standing in the background, staring at a statue, not talking, not doing anything, just staring at it. And then they finally are like, hey, uh, Sarah, what's Sarah doing? And then they like 
kind of talk to her and call out to her and she doesn't look away right away. Then she looks at them like, oh, what? what's up? And then she prances away. Yep, prances like, away. Like nothing happens. She like kind of smiles and prances away. Yeah. And I was like, creepy motherfucker. Don't know why she's staring at it. Mm-mm. It's never really explained why Sarah's like targeted, but like it's clearly happening and it's so creepy. That part creeps me out. So that's the only part that I could say like that background moment is yep. like, ooh. <laughs> I would say that a really strong example of the background moment, like meaningful background event mm-hmm. is in The Descent. So like early scene car crash, she's talking to her husband and she's like, you seem cold or you seem distant. And you can see them talking, but you can also see out the windshield. Yeah. And they're crossing the center line and there's another car coming. Yeah. And so you know before the car crash happens, it's not a jump scare. You see it coming. Right. And you see it before they do and they're in the foreground. That's in the background. Right. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, creepy. And then we have nothing is scarier. Basically everything about the basement. Right. (laughs) You don't know what the fuck's going on in that basement. Yep. And then the last one I have, screw this, I'm out of here. <laughs> and this can be used comedically and dramatically. <laughs> just, just like picture someone in a horror movie. Everything's terrible. Everything's already gone bad. And one person just goes, I'm out. And I'm they're done. like, you can't, you can't. And they're like, no, 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 I'm gonna. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> can you imagine one person getting away out of a horror movie just because they said, mm-hmm. no, thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. So it can definitely be used comedically. It can be used dramatically. <laughs> Here, it's used dramatically. So in the very first, in one of the opening scenes of the movie, we see like the um, camera phone yeah, image yeah. of like this person going through the haunted house and they're showing the YouTube video right. of like the person that went through. And at one point they're going through the haunted house. Everything's fine. And then they see a clown coming towards them, Ugh. but not trying to scare them. No, just walking like- past them. And they're like, that's weird. Do you think that was on purpose? Yeah. And then you see Sarah rush past and then like go up a secret thing upstairs and like, mm-hmm. was that supposed to happen? That was kind of lame. Like, that's what they say. Right. What really happened, and I really loved this element of the film because you see things only from the perspective of the attendees right. at the beginning. And then at the end, you see that same footage cut with what was yeah. happening, uh, like, aside from that. Like, so this is why Sarah went from this location to this location. This right. is why Joey left the basement. This is why this happened. So you get that cut in with, like, more context. Yeah. And so what happens is Joey is in the basement being a clown, having the keys to <sighs> Melissa's manacles. <sighs> he sees weird shit happening. He says, no, thank you. And he leaves. Melissa and she's like, Joey, back. you have the keys. Joey, come get me. Oh, my God. I made the joke about someone surviving a movie because they said no thank you. Mm-hmm. But he does. He makes, oh, Joey. Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> I mean, he, he survives he the initial tragedy, but then right. he does die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he did make it out of the house simply because he went, you know what? I'm, yep. wa- I'm done. <laughs> yep. I washed my hands of this clown. <laughs> I washed my hands of this clown. I'm done. Melissa, yep. I'm so sorry. Melissa deserved better. Melissa did deserve better. And I do, I knew this was going to come up. One of my biggest fears, I love going to like haunted houses, haunted mazes, that type of shit. Yeah. One of my biggest fears is that something will be happening that we think is part of the scare, but it's actually someone with an axe that's going to kill you. I also have this. Mm -hmm. Because like, I'm terrified. Because like, okay, you and I are very different. When I go through a haunted house, I am eerily calm. People probably think I'm part of it because I am just like, neat. Like there, nothing really phases me. Mm So I'm terrified that I will go to a haunted house and I'll witness like a murder and I'll go, yay. Like, <laughs> I don't want, I don't Realism. want that. <laughs> exactly. No. I'm not even scared that they'll murder me. I'm just scared that I'm going to be an ass. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, can you believe it? Look at those special effects. Look at that fake blood. <laughs> I don't 
I, if I have someone to be brave for, I am calm. Mm-hmm. If it's just me being brave for myself, I am not brave for myself. <laughs> I, I am not brave. <laughs> I wish I knew what happened because I used to be terrified. I would scream and be like, ah, scary. And now I don't know. So a, a, a fucking flip. Flip switched. switched. <laughs> switch flipped. And uh, I just go through haunted houses. Like, there's not a care in the world. Yeah. Watch this not be true. You and I are going to go through a haunted house sometime, and I'll be, like, freaking the fuck out. But I don't know. Because I used to work at um, Universal, and so yeah. I used to get to go to previews of Halloween Horror Nights. So, like, before customers could go, employees could just go. And so I, I got to go, and it was well known that employees of the haunted houses would make that their scariest night because they knew like this is our first night we got to be good so that would always be like really good stuff i just was like nothing not a fucking care just like and i I felt awful because i would be like this is scary you couldn't tell but i'm dead inside so it literally looked like i swear people had to think i was part of it if i had been in any other outfit they would have been like i don't like that one that just stares like <laughs> like they were like that one scares me the most she follows you the whole time that redhead with the curly hair don't like her vibe her vibe's terrifying she doesn't even care and she looks uh, like she's lost and i don't like it <laughs> I just like and instead of like screaming if someone jumps out at me I'll go oh that was you got me like I'll literally tell the person nice (laughs) as if they want to hear that they don't but I just I don't know this is why I want you and I to do some kind of ghost hunt someday I want to do a real ghost hunt because I know that I'll sit in the room and be like (laughs) ghost yay come out (laughs) or I'll pee myself but we'll see when we get there for me it's pretty much a toss-up how well i'll respond to things <laughs> yeah i think maybe it'll just be me being like be brave for kate like <laughs> it'll be like nikki's brave enough on her own i can be scared because <laughs> last time i went it was with like grad school folks and right they like i had nail marks on my arm because oh my they were God. like digging into my arm and i was like i gotta be brave for them see, yeah that motivates so many people yeah. to be like oh, i have to be brave mm-hmm. like and, that, and that's so many situations, any situation where I'm like, I'm usually quite anxious. But if someone is more anxious than me, I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, hold it together. <laughs> I am calm. I'm calm. I am the eye of the storm. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll prove that someday. <laughs> so until then, I think that we just have... Do we have anything else for this movie? I don't think so. I really didn't, uh, you know... No big qualms, no nothing. I just yeah. really like it. So I think it's time to rate it. I know. And I'm trying to think. I had four okay, okay, okay. ideas. Hit, they hit were not, they're ideas. not strong ideas. <clears throat> so my first one is just because it's episode 10, because we got 500 downloads, bottles of champagne. It's not relevant to the movie not at all. Not relevant to the movie, but we love it. <laughs> this one is slightly more relevant to the movie. Regrets. Stop. <laughs> I'm sure they had plenty. So many regrets. You can see it on their faces. Oh my god. Uh, then I have haunted beer because they have that moment where they're like in the, in the bar beer. and they're like pouring a growler and like it's before oh. everything starts going wrong, but the place is haunted as shit. And then just, you know, your generic demonic clown mannequin. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, my other option was just scary dining room girl. Yeah. She oh, really yeah. you know how I feel about kids in movies. She scary really freaked me girl. out. Um one did jump out to me. Uh, regrets. <laughs> I give this four out of five regrets. <laughs> I, exactly. I listen. Oh, I think we got a good regret. 
And okay. I, I think it, I think, can you guys hear that? Thunder? That was really good thunder. It was really good thunder. I'm like, we have the blinds pulled, but I want to see the storm. It's hey, fine. We, we can pull those blinds. We you. can sit later. Creak! <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Kate. There's Beautiful, some there's some you. rain for you. There's some good good rain. You're welcome. Um, Did I, I go first? Last I, you went first last. Okay, so it it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, now this could just be because this started it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it five out of five regrets. Listen, I know people are gonna be like, y'all are too generous with your movies, but let me draw your attention back to the fourth kind, <laughs> where I tried to give it zero. <laughs> Um, I tried to give it negative eyeballs. I <laughs> wish I could take away all the eyeballs. Um, I just we just keep watching movies that I end up really liking, and I'll draw your attention to it. I also gave that one too. Yeah, I just really like this one. I I like the way it was shot. I like the subtle backstory. I like they trust their audience to figure out that backstory on their own. Mm-hmm. I like that they had as as interesting camera shots as you could get with a found footage film. Yeah, which isn't easy to do, and also. The subtle jump scares scare the shit out of me. <laughs> so, yeah. five regrets for this one. Yeah. I regret it big time. <laughs> I regret it so hard. <laughs> so hard I regret this. Uh, yeah, so I've seen this movie three to four times, as previously yep. mentioned. I am still scared of it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those movies. And I do, like, I forgot to say it in my qualms earlier, monochromatic casting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one thing I was going to bring yeah. up where I was like, cool. Like, yeah. literally, I think almost every single person in this, if not I, every person. I do not think even in the background there was ever I a person of color. So. No. so, like, that is problematic. That is a problem with this movie. Like, right. valid qualm to have. In terms of, like, the cinematography, like, the story building, mm-hmm. the trusting of the audience, mm-hmm. the... Like, I just... I had so much fun thinking about like what diegetic sounds are in it. Like oh, all of those cool. things. Like I get invested in my own nerd corners, okay? <laughs> but I also But they're cool as hell. <laughs> I enjoy the shit out of this movie. Yeah. I really do. I give it five regrets. Five regrets. Yeah. That's a perfect ten regret. That's a that's <laughs> ten regret. Oh, I mean I got way more than ten, but I'm just saying uh, yeah. right now. Right now we have ten regrets. Perfect ten. Cumulatively. <laughs> it was very good. Yeah. yeah. I highly recommend it yes. to people. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. So, and yeah. it has that rewatch bonus that we talked about because there are still things that I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't pick up on so many of these subtle scares because they're just like that. They're really subtle. Mm-hmm. But then when you do see them, it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. Yeah. And it has that. So, like, one thing that came up throughout interviews with Cognetti was, mm-hmm. like, he kept saying less is more, subtlety is scary. And he kept saying, like, we don't want to go over the top. We yeah. want it to be understated and we want it to be, like, the confusion. Yeah. The um, ambiguity is scary. Right. And so he was, like, he very purposefully didn't have a clown with, like, a big red nose. Like, right. he pared down the clown. <laughs> and he yeah. was, like, I think that having a blank face with just a few distorted features like the bloody eyes and the bloody mouth is scary. Right. Put it in an understated clown costume. Don't give it the big shoes. Don't give it the big red nose. Don't give it the big wig. Right. Like, this is scary enough. And so, like, his whole thing was subtlety mm-hmm. from, like, the design of the mannequins to his scares. Yeah. And I think it worked really fucking well. It worked really well. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. I just... And I'm not saying that those over-the-top movies are, like, bad. And no. I don't like them. No. I just appreciate when people can do a very subtle scare and it's mm-hmm. very effective. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. I it appreciate was, the shit out of it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Ten so, regrets, baby. Ten regrets. That wraps up our discussion of Hell House, LLC. 
If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help other people find our show. Yeah. We also just really love reading what we you say. We say it every time, but we really do. We do. We keep like, checking it. And someone that we don't know no. left such a sweet review and it made our day. Oh my God, it was amazing. Pete and I fangirled over our own review for so long so we were yes, so happy we were so happy so thank you keep rating keep reviewing we really appreciate it and it does actually help other people find us yeah you can also find us on instagram and twitter at just cool with it every wednesday we'll post the movie for the week mm-hmm. you can also check out our extended show notes on the website just go with it pod.com or maybe even take a look at our patreon patreon.com slash just go with it and we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons <gasps> well i got mole this time we do we so have our patrons Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, and Tim. <gasps> Yay! They're all incredible humans. We appreciate them so much. So, and so, so much. You can join them. You could watch us play horror games. You yeah, could we ask do. us almost anything. It's true. <laughs> we'll do Q&As. We got mm-hmm. streaming horror games. It's going to be a blast. We got a Discord ready and waiting for shenanigans. We do have a Discord. It, just right now, it's like a few of us just yep. talking about... The yep. descent mostly. I don't and know why. And sharing memes about Jennifer's oh, yeah. body. Yeah. A lot of good Jennifer's body memes. Oh, yeah. Y'all so really can get ones. in on that. You can see them too. <laughs> They're good. So the intro and outro music was created by Anthony Racazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. That's me. We'll see you next week. <gasps> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>